everyone, and welcome to another fine edition of News of the World, the program that talks about news. Some of it very popular, some of it unpopular, but we bring it to you in this format. I wouldn't say bite-sized, but you can eat it, and we do it with help from two brains. One is my own brain communicating with you now. I'm Mark Fonseca Rendero, and I'm sitting in Amsterdam, but we need a second brain. That second brain is housed in Berlin, Germany, and that brain belongs to Tim Pritlove. Well, I thought that when you are the brain, mm. I might be pinky. And what are we going to do today? Wait, this is the other way around, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not supposed to ask you what we're going to do. So what are we going to do today? Brain? What, make a plan to take over the world, right? Is that, well, yeah, what are the specific I, wording? I plan to take... Mm, there's a specific way of saying it that I've lost. Hmm. We look forward to your comments. <laughs> <laughs> Because <laughs> you know it's going to be written like three times. <laughs> the same brain, thing we what, do every day. What do you want to do tonight? The same thing we do every day. I, I Yes, I remember the show, but I wasn't a huge fan, I confess. I yeah, confess. Well, so we're not trying to take over the world. We're just trying to explain the yes. world in uh, yeah these tiny uh, fractions of news bites that you mentioned. Exactly. Now, somebody did bring up, I'm going to go to the feedback early in the show. Somebody did bring up that some of our news isn't underreported. And that's a decent point. It is. <laughs> it is. Uh, you know, I kept that in mind today as I planned what to talk about. You know, not, not everything has to be the popular stuff, but it's true. Sometimes you're, I'm just drawn towards these popular topics, discussions and stuff because some of them are weird. Some of them are interesting and so many reasons. Yeah, and I think we're, we're trying to shed some light on um, general constellations of politics and, and, and troubles of society. And sometimes it's the underreported news and sometimes it's the heavily discussed mainstream news that somehow affects this specific view that we'd like mm. to, uh, you know, Pl yeah. shed light I on. And if it's about a pope, I mean, they dress so funny, I can't not talk about... That's it. If it funny... comes to dresses, we are in it. <laughs> yes. <you know? laughs> so let's start at the top. Uh, this one is no laughing matter at all. Uh, and it comes from the Central African Republic. Now, this is a country I am not so well-schooled in, not so well-versed, but I've been reading, I've been sort of refreshing my memory because over the last 20 years, there have been uh, many sad stories coming out of... Uh, the Central African Republic, this week saw the rebel group, which had only two months ago signed a peace deal with the government. The Celica rebels overthrew the president. Uh, that would be President Francois Bozizé, who used to be uh, backed by the French government. I don't know if they back him overtly anymore. Maybe they do it secretively. But they, uh, they broke a ceasefire, or at least, you know, that's how I interpreted it. Um, apparently, the, the rebels claim the government broke the ceasefire. Anything is possible. Uh, but they claim that Bozizé had become too much of a dictator. Uh, there have been many stories about his autocracy and his poor leadership over the years. So maybe they have a cause. But, of course, they're response and their methods are also a big subject of controversy because they're uh, overthrowing a government. Uh, the president, the new president, Michael Jotodia, is actually an old name in the world of civil wars in, um, in Central African Republic. He says he plans to stay in power for the next three years. 
and he's dissolved the country's constitution, and he says he will rule by decree. And as one might expect, uh, there have been responses. The, the African Union has suspended CAR from uh, being a member state. And uh, a lot of countries in the region are, of course, very concerned about what happens next. Yeah, and this is another, um, another African country with new general troubles related to the government, very close to South Sudan. No, which we have been talking about, uh, right in the north of the Democratic Republic of Congo, also not really known for stable governments. Um, yeah, and yeah. Um, it, it's it's one of these countries considered one of the poorest in the world, yet has significant uranium, crude oil, a gold, diamonds. It's got a little of everything that the world likes Once, to take yeah. and use and and yet it's of course uh, in, in a terrible state and you're right it's in that neighborhood out of all the neighborhoods in the world these days that congo uh south sudan being a new country it's 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 troublesome the president is now in exile he's in cameroon i don't know what will happen here um i i suppose for the sake of of less war uh, you would hope that he doesn't somehow come back with another army or anything like that uh i've seen some of the photos you know it's 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 the usual i want to say you know the usual without being too condescending but uh it's it's what looks like young people uh wearing military fatigues waving central african republic flags and uh promising a better day yeah as usual yeah and something tells me we weren't going to get a better day i out of either of these two very seasoned leaders one being uh, in the presidential palace before and, and the other long being the, the standard rebel opposition now in the presidential palace. Uh, so we'll keep an eye out on this Central African Republic. Uh, it does make uh, the international news headlines, but it is one of those cases where not too many people want to think too hard about it. <laughs> I know that sounds weird, but I don't, I don't think even the international news outlets know you know or see it as a very popular story but they they put it out there and and you know you you have i can think of very few reporters in that region uh bringing you information so what do you think of the current state of the au the african union i mean this used to be a union that doesn't really have a lot of power uh, is not really that much uh, of an important power in general to bring things forward. But I'm, I wonder if this has changed over time slightly. Mm. I'm, a, I'm a big admirer, and, and I don't mean that as a positive or a negative thing. I watch a lot. Uh, what, any information that comes out of the AU, I pay a lot of attention to what they do. It's a weird organization. First of all, I mean, it was founded by Gaddafi. <laughs> You never want to be founded by Gaddafi, you know, uh, for, of anything. Even if you're like, you know, a candy store. You don't want to be Gaddafi's candy store. Yeah. Um, so the AU was founded under strange circumstances. I mean, his spirit, I think, was actually a good one, at least what he said, which was to have a, a regional power. And it wasn't just supposed to be about military. And it isn't just about military, but that's what it's very busy with. I know that the AU has been present in Somalia. I've seen, sometimes I'm just browsing, believe it or not, Vimeo, and I run into videos produced by the AU. Mm -hmm. And they're building roads in Somalia. And you have like a Ugandan general next to a bulldozer going, 
yeah, we built this highway and not highway, but you know, two lane, very nice road. And we're going to build this other main road. And, and there they are doing things in video anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, the AU has been present in a lot of conflicts these last few years. You know, it, it, just like the UN, it really depends who's contributing the resources, especially if you're talking about peacekeeping. Because, you know, some countries have a more professional and, and you know, good reputation as a military, and some don't. Uh, the UN, it always depends on what mission they're doing and who's contributing the troops. So um, I would say the same thing happens with the AU. I would say regardless of who founded it, uh, they now have a legitimate role. Sometimes I think it's used by the international community to say, it's okay, we're sending the AU (laughs) and just walk away uh, and and assume that everything is going to go well now. I think it's an easy out sometimes to just say, oh yeah, the AU exists. They're going to go. They're going to send troops and then the country will be stable and you can remove, you know, your uh, resources, your, your whatever. Uh, you can remove the UN sometimes. <laughs> but I think the AU is very dependent on, uh, on outside help. Um, yeah, yeah. But what, what, what would you say is the role of the AU? What's the, what's the primary goal? Um, I mean... Uniting mm. Africa, that's a very difficult thing, not only because the, the North is so different from the South. Um, is it about peace mainly? Is it about development? Is it about economy uh, in general? I mean, what would you say is, how does the AU sees itself? As an outsider, I, I see it as very much about security. Um Uh, I'm sure they talk about other stuff at meetings, but what in practice what's happening is a lot of security related in negotiation as well, but also peacekeeping. Uh, and I think one of the goals was to do it regionally. I mean, to promote this idea. Yeah, like you said, you know, the whole idea of United Africa has, has long been a difficult one. But then, okay, build an organization, you know. I mean, South America has an economic union, uh, Mercosur, and you know, the AU started from a different sort of uh, area and they started with security, really. Um, but I think it's it's important that in that these organizations, it's great that they exist if they can work well, if they can actually broker peace uh, and keep it when it needs keeping. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I don't know if it's well managed. I don't know how well these missions go. Uh, but that they're busy and that they're always getting involved nowadays, that I see happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no, no, no lack of uh, possible activity in, 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 in Africa for the AU. I just yeah. wonder how well this works. And if, if it really leads to some kind of real African Union in that sense, because mm. it doesn't really look uh, that united. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, regional communities have done well. You know, ECOWAS, West African, the, the African, West African Union, um, it's an economic community, but it works. I mean, they even had their own uh, currency, I think, still in circulation. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I say it works. Those countries have a lot of problems, but they also get together and make joint agreements sometimes or decisions. So, and, and we've seen it, again, I bring up Mercosur. I mean, Asia has you know, a sort of economic union, well, some parts of Asia with, um, what is it called? I don't remember anymore. Um, but 
yeah, Africa doesn't do it so much from an economic side. They're doing it a different way. It's more diplomatic and, and security. Okay. Yeah, that's what I think. Now all you African Union scholars, come on in and leave a comment. Uh, next on the agenda is a very popular news item here in Europe. Uh, I'm not so sure if in the U.S., uh, although we always want comments from the U.S. these days, uh, Cyprus and the Cyprus bailout, which just came, I think, two days ago. Um, and it's a bailout being credited to the European, well, the European Union and the IMF, which is essentially the European Union, if we get honest. Um, it was a little bit of a surprise or at least an unknown because Russia has been rumored, or not just rumored, they've been meeting with the government of Cyprus and the European Union because it was thought that Russia, since they have tons of money, would bail out the Cypriot banking industry. That didn't happen. Um, this whole thing, I mean, if you've been listening to the news, you've heard, you know, the, the failure of, of banks that have these, this big debt and that it was going to be charged to people with, uh, regular bank accounts. So like each one of us would pay like a six euro or a 10 euro tax if we were Cypriots, apparently I've heard all kinds of interpretations, but mostly it just sounded a little scary. If you're a person with a bank account, um, no matter how big or small. The Atlantic, which is a um, magazine that, that I respect quite a lot, um, they had a little breakdown of you know winners and losers, and I'm not going to go over all the winners and losers, but on the list that I thought was interesting, you had, um, <laughs> as big losers, um, the concept of free flow of money in Europe, because uh, for the first time ever, they were going to have a capital control was going to be instituted to prevent money from leaving the country. Now, I'm not totally sure how this happens. I mean, I guess you just can't make an international transfer, um, which you could now from any European country. Um, and a lot of people thought, well, this is uh, bad you know, for, for the idea of free transfer. The other thing is, you know, this is considered a loss for democracy. Uh, as if, again, if you do public opinion, which we never do in banking anymore, <laughs> but we don't, right? We don't want to know what people think because they'll just say, burn the banks. And then yeah. oh, we don't want to burn the bank. Um, 67%, according to the Atlantic of Cypriots would rather leave the Euro and have closer relations with Russia, uh, than do this deal. And this deal, uh, doesn't require parliamentary approval. So, you know, it's not a democratic decision what, what, what has been made. Uh, then again, it wasn't a democratic decision to run up this crazy debt and, and get involved in these, I don't know, these, these what seem to be banking schemes that, that ended up failing. Cyprus is somewhat famous. I don't know if like you always know about this, Tim, uh, or you hear about it, as being this place where you, you hide your money or you dump your money, like apparently Russians like to put their money in Cyprus. There must be some really relaxed banking uh, policies. I never really thought about Cyprus very much as a place for putting money. No, no, I didn't. Uh, I, I just heard about it when this whole crisis was was shaping up. Yeah, and now everybody says, well, uh, now some banks in other places, especially offshore types, uh, the Cayman Islands and the Caribbean, they're going to benefit because those Russians are going to move their money to the, the, the big, I mean the big, the other offshore banking places. Um apparently this doesn't put a tax on the bank accounts, the settlement that they reached. So there won't be the situation where every single person from their account is, is forced to pay something. Although it seems like that can still change. Um, and you have to now do this thing that Portugal has, I think Greece has as well, where Cyprus must now be managed 
an answer to what's called the Troika, uh, which is this triumvirate of the IMF, the European Union, and some third party I cannot remember. What I do know as a Portuguese person is that the Troika tells you, you got to cut and privatize a whole list of as many things as possible. And then you show the Troika your homework after six months and they go, not good enough or good enough. And you're sort of now answering to this, this group uh, from now on. So I know that in Portugal, if, if you were the Troika, people would want to hang you. People would want to s- throw stones at you. So uh, the Cypri- you know, Cypriots have now joined uh, with the Portuguese and the Greeks. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if, if the Troika isn't just the, the group who's bringing the bad news. You know? uh, the third one is the European Central Bank, uh, ah, by yes. the way. Yes. You know? mm. um, huh. I'm very... I can't really say much about this because my understanding, and I think it goes along the same way as it does for most of us. I don't really understand the complex interconnections of the economy and money flow at all. You know, you could tell me anything. What I found interesting here in this respect is that more or less for the first time in this crisis, they actually took on those who invested into these banks. You know, money yeah. is being taken, and I heard numbers of up to 40% of those who have money on that bank, but uh, the ones who have less than 100,000, they are safe, which is a right. good thing, I think. Yes. And it was good. weird that uh, the first... Um, the first plan that was on the table was actually including those under 100,000, although there is a guarantee in the European banking system for these 100,000 euros. That's just guaranteed. So when you give money to a bank and it's less than 100,000, whatever, you know, whatever happens, it's safe. And that was part of the first plan. That was what I really found very strange. And that also led, I think, to um, this first plan being rejected by the Cyprus um, parliament. Mm-hmm. Now, more or less, the same plan, plan is on the table, in, and in effect, I think, uh, excluding those one, uh, with less than 100,000. But those rich people who have money there, they actually have to give something, which I wouldn't say is that bad. And it's mm-hmm. also that everybody who has a stake in these banks is losing this money completely. And why not? You know, this bank has failed. Mm-hmm. You have invested in that bank. Why did you put trust into this bank? You know, did you sort of approve of how this bank was behaving? I mean, if you put a lot of money in a bank, you know what a bank does. You know the 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 system much better than I do. And that's your risk you have to take. And then that's like that's when risk actually strikes you. So I can't really say this is a bad thing uh when it comes to this detail how this is going to wound up. Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, it was feared that this would trigger, and it's not going to now apparently with this deal, a run on banks in Southern Europe and in places like Portugal. That people, when they saw that uh, Cypri- Cypriots were going to have to pay even under a hundred thousand in the bank, um, that everybody would start going to the bank and taking their money out out of fear that sometime soon they're going to have to do the same thing in other countries. Um, and uh, yeah, but where are you bringing your money then? You leave it home. That's and I'll tell you what, Tim, I know people in the Netherlands that do this. Oh, yeah. 
I'm pretty sure there are a lot of people who actually do that. But if that's really so much safer, I don't know. Uh, I think it's just hard to live. I mean, in this country, forget it. You need a bank account for so many things. It's hard to uh, it's hard to do much. You know, I think in the '90s, Michael Moore used to joke, the, the comedian documentary maker, um, that you can't buy a car without having a credit card uh, or without having credit, and he wanted to pay in cash. And it's like uh, at the time, it was like, ha ha, that's so strange. That's like, yeah, you, th- there's a lot of things you can't do with just money in your hand in a box. Yeah, you know, it's uh, last time I visited you in uh, in Amsterdam, it was almost oh, almost yeah. impossible to get a coffee, you know, with <laughs> cash. I do. I live in a neighborhood that's very much card only. Uh, no cash. That's in my neighborhood. really weird, and I think yeah. this is just not possible in uh, in in Germany right now. Mm. You have to accept cash. Because it's valid money, you know. It's like, it is. It, 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 it's still valid money. For, for now. Last time I checked, it was. <laughs> I, You know what? I think this whole money thing, I mean, there's nothing new to, when I say this, but this whole paper money thing, they can't control it and, and, and play with it enough. It's too, there's too much power in your hands. So I think in, in some ways, conspiracy time, uh, <laughs> this, they have to get rid of the monetary system because you could still, that physical thing, is you know keeping them from controlling you? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, but make sure everybody's got guns. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Got, got they've got guns. Um, all right, next item on the list. We go right back into uh, former dictator types, and this one I don't know this guy. I mean, I've been reading up on him, so now I feel like I know better. But we're talking about former Guatemalan dictator Rios Montt. Uh, he's facing trial in his country, which is a rare thing. Usually, you have to go somewhere else to face trial for, for genocide or human rights abuses. Uh, but the former Guatemalan dictator is being prosecuted for atrocities committed between 82 and 83, uh, those particular years of his uh, rule, uh, in which uh, a lot of people were killed in this anti, uh, what do you call them, uh, rebels, anti-leftist campaign, which actually was around for decades. The U.S. CIA had a lot of uh, resources invested in this as well. From 1960 to 96, you had something like 200,000 civilians, uh, many of them native uh, Mayan descent, uh, who were killed, being accused of being left-wing, being communists, being against the uh, the right-wing government. So he's going to face trial now. He's, he's 86 years old, uh, and he's on the hook for the death of the at least 1,700 indigenous people and it's really a, a bit of a history lesson. It wasn't that long ago, but yet, you know, of all the things going on in the world, the Guatemalan dictatorship is not something, or the Guatemalan genocide of, of uh, people of Mayan descent is not something you hear so much about uh, in, in headlines these days. Yeah, it's interesting because um, the um, people of Mayan descent, it also includes the... Um um, people from Chiapas in southern southern mm. Mexico, which is next to the Guatemala border, and they have also, I mean, this this is a suppressed ethnic group forever, you know, yeah. uh, and it's, there has been this uh, revolt in uh, uh, Chiapas yeah. by uh, Subcomandante <laughs> Marcos, uh, Marcos yes. uh, and his group, who is actually uh, uh, Mexican, but. It never never really happened anything in Guatemala from from what I heard. So mm. this is uh, more or less for me personally the first time that I see there's some s- change in terms of how to treat indigenous people there. 
Yeah, and and in a way, it's part of a wave that has mostly hit um, South America, now maybe starting to hit Central America, which is about like acknowledging what's happened in the past, which is the suppression, the murder of mm-hmm. so many indigenous people, but also like finally getting power in some cases in government and in, in constitutions and so forth. Um, this does bring an old question back. Uh, they're going to do it anyway, but can you have a fair trial in the country where you were the leader and you committed this massive crime? I mean, so many places in the world you do it outside the country, especially if, okay, if it's an, these days uh, a genocide in, in Africa, then you do it uh, probably at the world court in, in The Hague. Uh, although there have been, well, there have been some cases that where you do it in your home country. But anyway, I mean, this is the way uh, Guatemala is going to do it. And I, I, I don't think he's going to get off the hook uh, for what he's done. I think those days of, of pretending like it didn't happen are, are gone. But he's very old, isn't he? I mean, he's... Yeah, 86. 86, yeah. Yeah. Let's see if he survives this. <laughs> ah, that's the other thing, right, right. The the will you survive in time. I mean, many of the people, right, in Cambodia, are, we had another one die, I think, this past month, uh, someone accused of uh, mass murder, and, and, you know, the trials aren't finished, and he, he died. Uh, so it goes in the world of uh, late, late justice. Next on the list, back to Africa, back to Africa, Zimbabwe. And there was this new constitution. We occasionally have have referred to it here on the program. Uh, Zimbabwe has approved a new constitution. 95% of voters in this referendum approved this this new charter. And this is a really weird, for me, a very strange uh, uh, constitution and, and move because the international press says the vote went well. International observers say, pretty good for for Zimbabwe. It's a new constitution that is backed by Morgan Tsangarai Tsangarai and Mugabe, Robert Mugabe, who's been in charge since, what, 1990 at this point. Um, There used to be rivals, but to be, you know, anyone who's been watching the last few years know that 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 rivalry is, is one of convenience. They both share power these days, and it's not so much one or the other anymore. They both enjoy uh, being in charge. Um, this puts a limit uh, in, in, for example, on Mugabe's uh, uh, time in office, except that they, they passed it in such a way that he can still run one more time. So he could still be in charge for another 10 years, actually. And that's likely what's going to happen. Um, it also gives parliament new power. Uh, allegedly, it expands women's rights. I don't have any specifics on how it does that. Uh, and then there's, yeah, there's the presidential limits to, you can only do two five-year terms, <laughs> which of course Mugabe has done way more than two five-year terms. And he's 89 now. So <laughs> this... <laughs> 100-year-old president. That's the new goal. 100-year-old president. Yeah. Oh my God. I don't know if we've ever had a 100-year-old president. I'm not going to look now. I'm going to leave it to the comments. Have we ever but had... Fidel Castro uh, is going to survive him. Well, but he's I, not president. He's already lost the race. He is... Yeah, Pres- but... President but Emeritus? Is, I, I think he is much higher than being a president, you know? You mean like being the former pope? But he's a, he's a shiny, <laughs> beloved icon, you know, of his revolution. And, and, and Mugabe, everybody hates, you know? They're just totally <laughs> incapable of... of, of, of I don't really know why this country is totally incapable of getting rid of Mugawa. Well, listen, look, when you're the hero of a civil war, a lot of people remember that and never forget it and are always thankful to you. Uh, so so that, you know, that's, that, 
that shine that never goes away. Uh, that little, that <sighs> we, glow. Yeah, okay. We He's should a start a relu- revolution too, man. You'll be remembered for a really long time. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, next Heroes item. Heroes of the podcasting <laughs> revolution. You'll, you'll always be remembered. Yeah. I remember you. You had a podcast. <laughs> yes. I'm really going to need this in the future. <laughs> yeah. 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 Vote for we, me. We, I we, had a yeah, podcast. Yeah, we need a new cons- podcast constitution that, that ensures yes. that we're going to be in power for at least another 10 years. Yeah, I need to be able to win an election <laughs> based on my 450 shows. <laughs> mm. Let's, okay. Let's go back to Latin America. I love I love dotting back and forth between uh, uh, Africa yeah. and Latin America. This one's out of uh, Rio. And actually, this one I got off of Global Voices Online, um, which means that Global Voices is always bringing up the, the smaller topics or the stories from right on the street. And this one came from Rio. And it's actually something that's been going on over the last few years in preparation for both the World Cup and the Olympics. As you know, uh, Brazil gets both in the next four years. Um, there have been a lot of, of course, big projects, and a lot of them involve removing people, uh, entire neighborhoods even. Uh, but in this case, it was the forceful removal of indigenous squatters. <laughs> I call them indigenous squatters. Uh, I don't think the Portuguese language press uh, refers to them in the same way. But uh, you have people who have been occupying buildings uh, in Rio for many years. Uh, some of them were promised uh, uh, places to live that never got them. And now you have this move of police coming in and dragging them out and big confrontations when protesters show up to oppose these moves. And a lot of them are to build like uh, the Olympic Museum and uh, buildings because it's very near to a football stadium. Uh, so I started reading. And as you go on, you can find more and more links to examples of uh, actions, protests, evictions by uh, Brazilian police and federal police. And I even found, although it's only in Portuguese, a website that tracks human rights violations in the buildup towards the Olympics and the World Cup. Uh, And I'll I'll throw in a link for anyone who who wants to browse it or even try, uh, depending on how good your Portuguese is, because you really find stories that you won't hear that often uh, outside of Brazil. I think Brazilian uh, media are much more into this topic of who's getting pushed around in favor of, you know, the big the big games. How does this go together with this government being uh, known for, you know, sort of doing a lot for the poor and sort of still grown mm. up from this revolution? Is it good to re- call it a revolution? It's not really a revolution. It, it, this The significant change that has been uh, done on a political level in, in Brazil. Well, I think that one thing the government of Brazil, government of Dilma, suffers from is that, yeah, you know what? They were, the the PT, the Workers' Party, when they came to power, was, it was revolutionary. It was a change. It was amazing. But they've been in charge. It's now the more than the second generation. It's the next president, and it's the third term at this point, I think, for for a PT uh, president. And... Uh, I think the problem is, you know, after a while, you become the power, the institution. Now, they still have a lot of programs. I know personally, I've worked with uh, actually Brazilian uh, regional projects for youth. And I know that they have projects for indigenous people as well. But there's another power here that's been around a lot longer and that people often just let carry on, which is the power of these international prestige for Olympics, for World Cup. I mean, it's amazing 
how anything goes, well, I'm exaggerating, but when it comes to construction and and money spent and and looking good, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, they do everything, they just do it. I mean, it's hard to stop these games when they're building what they're going to build. Even if it doesn't make sense, even if it hurts people, it's all about that final look when the whole world is watching and, and, you know, there we are at the Olympics. So I think that this government, to a large extent, tries not to look. Uh, I mean, they've got a lot of things on their plate anyway. And I don't know so much about the, for example, we're talking about Rio right now. I don't know much about the city government of Rio. Um, you know, I know that police have a lot of power in like favelas nowadays. They can do whatever. They come in like a military force. I mean, it's difficult. It's a hostile environment. So I'm not saying they should, you know, they should be completely disarmed. But I think that police have a lot of power. And when you combine that with the projects that are that must be completed, uh, World Cup is 2014, Olympics are 2016. That's actually quite soon. Um, then they have, yeah, they do what they want. I think what we also have to take into account is that during the last 10, 15 years, Brazil has been transformed from just being one of the biggest poor countries in uh, a poor neighborhood of the world, you know, to being one of the big economic players of the world, also getting stronger in politics. And I would assume, and you can tell me if this is... um, the correct impression here i would assume that that brazil sort of regards the world cup and the olympics to be the uh, gold plating on this new image it's like I, sort of like the, the the defined moment where brazil is finally ready to tell the world so that, okay we're here you know there's more than just the the traditional views, you know, we are the new superpower of the South, yeah. and 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 now look at us, and 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 here we are, you know. Oh it's yeah, it's like the big moment, and there's nothing that's going to stop us from celebrating is the way we do it. Yeah, and boy, I think you're can right. we celebrate? <laughs> you're right. This is the sort of look what we've been working on for the last few years. We're going to show you. You know, there's going to be lots like, of like, like China with the last Olympics too. Yeah, you know. true. That was their chance to go. We're going to show you what we've been working on. Look at the cool things we can do. Look how shiny this stadium is. <laughs> and, uh, and we can and how, dance. <laughs> and everybody's <laughs> happy. Everybody's smiling, right? Right? Yeah. Everybody's smile. Look, no favelas. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> They're gone. Yeah. I don't know how it happened. <laughs> <laughs> we just took a little, you know, broom and we swept up and suddenly there was no favela. Yeah, it was so easy. <laughs> Everybody can do it. It was a strange broom. It was called a shotgun broom. And it just cleaned everybody up. I don't know. <laughs> yes. Uh, so I, I'm going to keep an eye out on this. Uh, I like maps and, and collective websites that uh, put this kind of information together. I mean, Brazilian newspapers probably also have uh, sections dedicated to these topics. But uh, I like a sort of blogger's project, as this looks like. And speaking of uh, collective projects on a certain topic... Let's go to news sources for this week. Uh, I chose one that I've been reading for, I think I've been reading it for four years now. I don't know. It feels like a long time. I've even had people uh, from that site on my podcast. And I'm talking about the arms control wonk. I don't know if you know this term, uh, wonk. It's it's, with blogging came wonks. A wonk, according to the Urban Dictionary, is an expert in a field, typically someone who is fairly young, and fairly intelligent. And we've had, 
one of the most famous wonks um, for American politics is Wonkette. And this became a very a big uh, source for information about what's going on in Washington. The arms control wonk carries on <laughs> that, that title. Um, in this case, they're all about, I don't want to make it seem like just about weapons. It's, it's also about policies related to, yes, weapons and negotiation of disarmament. You get a lot of information about what countries are doing what with uh, big weapons projects. And it's, uh, mostly researchers, which is also very, you get a lot of details, maybe a little bit long to read. Um, and they're all from different institutes. Uh, they're all very good. There's some main contributors and then there are guest contributors. Uh, I think the website looks very nice these days. It's had a nice redesign. Um, there, I don't think there's much money involved in funding this website. There is an organization. It's called Plowshares. I've heard their name over the years. And they fund, uh, at least a little bit, uh, they fund the arms control wonk. And I, I keep subscribed to it, and I, I don't read every single piece that comes out, but I, I, I read a good amount, um, especially on matters. I mean, you know, missile defense is this old topic that always comes and goes. You know, the U.S. wants to build this missile defense system, and it'll be partially in Europe, and it'll yeah. be against who, and all this stuff. Arms control wonk has always been a place where I get information about that. Or even... Let's not forget, there are still nuclear weapons in this world, and um, this website monitors what's going on with them, what kind of discussions are taking place about what happens to them, or and, and, and even the development. I think they do stuff on Iran, although it's been a while since I've read anything about Iran on that website. Are these all Americans who are writing there? Um, the guest I had on was an American, but she had lived in Russia for a long time. Mm. I don't know if they're all... I think one or two are not American, but they may be working at American uh, institutions. Uh, okay. But yeah. at least somehow America-related. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I see a few names that... that well, I don't, I don't know, actually. Are these all Americans? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's You've, asking. You found their weakness. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I wouldn't be too surprised. Uh, no, what this, I like also is this uh, project itself because the, the, this kind of media um, presence, you know, yeah, is still a very American ap approach, which I, I like. You know, that's like a very good way of presenting your topics. Like here we are, we are the wonks. You know, we've got a topic, <laughs> we're yeah. focusing. We're focusing on this topic and we're writing about it. Yeah. And I, I think that's the the original power of the internet when it comes to, to publishing is that, that you, you focus and then that you can actually do it by just having a website. You know, we focus on a topic. You want to know something about it. Here we are. Yeah. And that's something you couldn't do with newspapers before, magazines and so on. And that's what I see the strongest force in this whole... Um, change of the media uh, landscape and, and this is just one of those examples but i yet have to see anything coming from europe that's close to this, you know, to this i mean approach. 
Yeah, I get what you're saying. You you have some specialists. I mean, I know, uh, and I think it was with your help, I met uh, Thomas Wiegold, who does, uh, what is it? Augen geht raus? Yeah, Augen geht raus. And, you know, he has a specialty, but he's just one person. He's just one person. That's what I mean. You've got some bloggers, of course. The the change is happening. But it's not that you find... Uh, a lot forces. of jo- yeah, j- uh, journalists joining forces or experts joining forces and say like, okay, we, we have to take care about this. You know, it could be a, about a country, it could be about uh, uh, this, you know, yeah. area of expertise. Um, I think we're going to see much more of this in mm. the future, but I yet have to see the results from Europe. Yeah. All right, so keep an eye out for Arms Control Wonk, uh, link in the show notes, and in the near future, for sure, we'll have stories uh, uh, using their, their help. And uh, now you know what a wonk is, so you can run around calling people wonks. Yeah, that's, 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 that's news to me, you know. <laughs> Are we wonks too, somehow? No, I, we're, we're pod- I, I you're might... a podcasting wonk. Oh. No, it doesn't work the same. It doesn't work the same. I think no? it's really been, I don't know if you could be a podcasting wonk. I'm going to Google that later. I mean, if, uh, <laughs> turning to the um, uh, Urban Dictionary, who also says about wongs, it's a term for masturbation in internet chat sites. <laughs> it says, really? expert in a field, typical someone who's fairly young and very intelligent. Hmm. Well, uh, I'm, I'm not, not sure I'm passing as fairly young. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, I don't know. We leave this to uh, the listener to decide if we're wongs or not. Yeah. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> because wow. we think you all are wonks. Exactly. And you could definitely help us out here. Yeah. Listener wonks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So that does it for this week's edition of News of the World. Uh, next week, I'm running around in Portugal as a surprise visit to wow. my, my, my family. Uh, and I will have a microphone with me and fine internet. So we can for sure be back, I think. Yes. And uh, yeah, keep the comments coming. I think today we, we gave a lot of <laughs> statements that will earn uh, responses from the audience. And we always <laughs> enjoy that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> uh, commenting is good. Yeah. So right. thank you very much. See you next week. Goodbye. Bye-bye.